Ah, Mountaineer Nation after a big win in Blacksburg. All the boys are coming onto the porch here, and we are excited to talk about that huge win and keeping that Black Diamond Trophy back where it belongs, in the Puskar Center. But it's not a time to rest on those laurels. No, it's time to get ready for Texas and a trip to Austin this Saturday night. Prime time on FS1 should be fun. We're going to talk all about it. We like our offense. I think you're going to kind of uh, be in agreement with us as well. We'll also kind of get into where we think this team could still maybe go. It's going to be a fun conversation. Mike joining us. He won. He's back. We'll also hear from Bob Huggins and Dana Holgerson. will even chime in at the very end of the program. Uh, so it's going to be eh, pretty good. Excited to have you. So you guys know what to do. If it's in the morning, grab that coffee. Phil style. In the evening, grab the drink. I like our offense. I like the fact that Texas' defense is 100% susceptible to being shredded. Are we, are we getting card or the other? <laughs> Yet to be seen. It, 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 yeah, but if Ayers plays, he's going to be able to throw like a five-yard out, and that's about it. There's no way that orange is ready. Well, broken clavicle, correct? Yeah, yeah starting a clavicle. Yeah, that's, that happened, what, three weeks ago? Yeah, against Bama. Yeah. Not only if he does that, is he going to take a hit and he's going to be out again. He's Like CJ said, he can't throw a five-yard out. Yeah, there's no way. No way that guy's playing. Okay. Alrighty. I think it's just a little gamesmanship with, you know, Steve Sarkeesian and his whole, oh, you're not going to see a depth chart all year. Correct. Probably so. No, I didn't know there was that level of needing Oh, to... yeah, he said that in the preseason. He wasn't going to release a depth chart for any game. Right. <laughs> And then Nick Saban said the same thing like two weeks ago. <laughs> but right after I had free beat him. Um, I think he was just being tongue in cheek with one of the reporters it's, down there. You know how Nick can be a little sarky. Typical all a little sarky. I like uh, that. <laughs> I like that. So I got a uh I got trips to the right here. I'm I'm real excited about this uh CJ long standing kind of my security blanket receiver. We got Zach here, kind of, you know, come onto the scene, obviously got explosives, and now Mike, you know, kind of the, the freshman sensation here. And, Mike, you won last week, so obviously we, we have to bring you back. Um, obviously a little little different than maybe how we, we lean with Neil, and I'm excited to see how you feel after this week. Is it fair to say, though, fellas, before we kind of jump off here and really get rolling into the game, that this week is almost the exact – identical story and narrative attached to it for Neil Brown, the biggest game in his era in terms of the fan base and how they view him here in his tenure here with West Virginia. This is the 10th biggest game of the Neil Brown era, but I'm ready. <laughs> I mean, it might be the 10th biggest game, but is this one, is this one now the biggest game? It is right. It Well, yeah. I mean, if you're in the moment, yeah. I mean, we we've talked about this where you kind of become a prisoner of the moment. Um, but I think at this point in this year, kind of with where they're at, the way to battle back to get to to two and two and get kind of a new season. Um, so yeah, I would say at this point, as far as the fan base is concerned and where this team development wise is, yeah, this would definitely be the big one. 
I think uh, instead of two and two, you go down to Austin. Uh, it's a big outlook game, both just as far as how we stand in the conference with the 0-1 loss to Kansas. Uh, as far as Neil Brown goes, I, I just think year in, year out, really, really since probably the start of last year, every game where we've been teetering on the edge uh, has been a huge program-defining game. I'm, I'm going to give Neil that pass. I'm going to try to try to just give him some leeway. Um, I, I would say I'm skeptical at this point, whereas a week ago I was done. Uh, it's it, Virginia Tech. Working our way back. Yep. <laughs> not a very good team. That That's proven statistically, especially for sure. Uh, as atrocious as their offense is. But I like the way we won. The fact that we have a power run game and a general under center is very encouraging. Yeah, I mean, when you're – best receiver and one of the best receivers in the Big 12 doesn't really do a whole lot, yet you still just, you know, shred Virginia Tech for the most part. I mean, there were there were points out there to be had. I think that that's a certainty. Nobody can really deny that to watch that game. But you put on 200 on the ground as well as 200 through the air, you know, it shows that they can't just take one aspect of your offense away, which makes you extremely dangerous, especially if you can have a, at least a respectable defense. Yeah, and and you know what, fellas, I feel like there is that level of respect coming back to this defense, right? I mean, granted, Virginia Tech not a not a great offense by any stretch of the imagination. This week will be an indicator of that. I'd agree with that, Zach. I'd agree with that, especially what happens with Bijan Musterson, right. right? You know, exactly. Um, now, I, I will say this before we kind of really dive into Texas. Let's kind of still continue to. To, to kind of peel back this onion on the game and what happened last week. Mike, I like what you said, though, about I kind of want to give them some leadway, give them some rope. I like hearing that. I like hearing that there's somebody who, you know, like you said, a week ago was done with him, right, for the most part. Now I was like, okay, let's see what happens. I like the fact that Virginia Tech was able to kind of buy him a little bit of breathing room with people. I think that's important, you know, to not to not have that, gorilla on his back the entire time like oh well i'm two and three you know and now i gotta play baylor and then now granted here's the thing though mike do you think that that's just kind of a temporary thing kind of a temporary stay here though absolutely i'm not sold on neil brown don't get me wrong i i don't think that he can win a close game and i don't think that he can out coach anybody in the conference down the stretch especially uh, some, some of the better coaches in the Big 12. I, I'm not a Neil Brown supporter, don't get me wrong, but there were just a, a couple of things that were promising. I, I think the fact that we were able to control the game in the interior on both sides of the ball gives you hope. And, and then just to, to go into a raucous atmosphere in the first half, that place was going crazy. To, to take an early deficit and, and then just really dominate a game uh, over the course of the evening – was really, really promising. But Virginia Tech is terrible. Uh, did you see Grant Wells out there? He's my guy, I, my old high school teammate, but he couldn't hit the broad side of the ball. I'm not going to be a prisoner of the moment. I just I just like the way that our team is constructed and a lot of the players on it. Uh, Neil Brown in crunch time, though, we've seen that. Hey, Mike, here, here's the thing. I think what, what you said that's interesting about all that, right? Three points out of that. He is constructing something really good, which in college is very important. You got to give the coach a little bit of love for that roster construction, right? And the and the how this roster's coming out. We'll see this year now that he has a quarterback in close games. I mean, you think about the Kansas and the pit losses; those are both almost 
improbable how we lost both those games. I'm not putting those games on Neil Brown, um, especially not Pitt. I, I don't know. Maybe Kansas, you can make more of an argument for it. And then I think thirdly, you brought up the point about Grant Wells, right? We saw what happens to him when he gets rattled, and he missed some wide-open receivers at times. We've got to continue to get better on defense, but I do think that we're going to turn the corner on that side of the ball just how we kind of turn the corner on our season after starting 0-2. Really like where we're, where we're moving right now, fellas. I really do. Yeah, I do too. And, Blaine, you brought up kind of a, a good point there as, as you talked about the offense and better quarterback play. I think the other thing that helps is much better wide receiver play. Um, you know, we talked about, you know, Bryce Ward Wheaton, you know, they did a real good job of trying to kind of take him out. A lot of, a lot of coverage shifted his way. Um, and Caden Prather made him pay big time. I mean, he played, played all, you know, fantastic. Then you get Michael Laughlin involved. And I think you're starting to see the evolution of this with, you know, with the general back there, you know, it's more than just one guy back there. And then you complement that with the running game that we can with Donaldson Jr. and Triple J. It's it the the evolution of this has been fantastic to watch. And I think it only gets better. Hey, 100% CJ. I, I love what you brought up. Also bring up the point about O'Laughlin being back out there. And Prather, he looked like kind of that that flashy, streaky number two that like, man, when you're going to really – kind of show a lot of attention to BFW, he is going to make you pay. Zach, I heard you you wanted to bring in something in there real quick. I was just adding to what CJ was saying. I mean, I think he was more so speaking to the fact that you have a a guy under center or behind center these days that is really just out there doing his thing, making things happen. But I was kind of adding on to that. We just have such an assortment of weapons, like he, like he mentioned, Prather, O'Laughlin, in addition to BFW, Sam James finally came through. We haven't even mentioned Sam yet. Finally came through with a touchdown on an absolutely beautiful, beautiful How about that salute, by the way, (laughs) to the ROTC folks there in the end zone for the Hokies? Hey, respect, right? Respect. Respect. Yeah. Daniels to the end zone, has a receiver. Touchdown, West Virginia. What a strike to Sam James, 24 yards, and just before the half, Mountaineers answer. And I I think it's just, it's really nice to see that because, you know, no no disrespect to Jarrett Deggie. Big Jarrett Deggie guy on this podcast. Real, real big Jarrett Deggie guy. Well, well documented. But you are. You 100% are. Zach. Oh, yeah. yeah. You were president of the fan club. <laughs> Garrett Green all day. But just just seeing, seeing Daniels be able to get it to the guys in spots that they need to get it, making plays in important situations. And, I mean, it's just refreshing to see it. You've you've missed it. I don't know. I, I know I've missed it, but the offense looks smooth. I it think looks that's... smooth in in all facets. And the offensive line can't go understated either. I mean, they have stepped up on multiple occasions and provided pretty solid protection and opened up gaping holes for this running game. And it's it's really making this offense start to hum. And I I want to say one other thing too about Prather. And I don't want to overstate this either. But it, it seems like it needs to be said, you know, after the pit game, you're you're kind of questioning what he can do because he had a pretty shaky game. Right. But since then, he's been 
he's been firing on all cylinders. I mean, he got 10 targets in the first half against uh, Towson, really trying to feed him, had a solid game against Kansas, and really showed out against Virginia Tech. I mean, he's a redshirt freshman. We can't really forget that. Despite his pedigree and his athleticism and everything he brings to the table, he's still only in his second year of playing the ball at this level. And honestly, guys at that stage in their career, putting on like that, those are like high special end, guys. Yeah. High end guys that you normally see at top end universities. So we're, I'm really excited to have someone like that alongside Bryce Ford Wheaton. They can really take a lot of the pressure off of him and make it to where they can't just shade one side of the field to take him away, and that just screws us. And, and to your point, I asked him after the game, uh, what's clicked for you the last two weeks? And, and and what he told me, Prather said he just didn't want that week one feeling again. He, he took that mm. game hard, and, and we're starting to see very mature the, the player that he can be. Very mature for a guy that age, for sure. Absolutely. Um, really – you know, just um, not having that week one feeling again, you know, uh, that feeling sucked real bad. So we've been, you know, working real hard, you know, uh, and communication with JT has been big. That's interesting about, you know, Prather kind of taking that pit game to heart and how he felt after it. It's accountability. And think, yeah. And you know what? That whole offense definitely has not missed a beat since, if you think about it. I mean, shoot, what, 44 points in regulation there against Kansas. You move the ball against Tech rather easily. The only problem – and we'll get into it here in a little bit, or if we want to jump into it now, we can. The red zone woes. Are we worried about that at all? I'm not necessarily worried about it because I think we can run the football, and I think we kind of, at times, we got into the red zone, and then we tried to throw the ball instead of just continuing to do what worked. And then finally in the second half, we said, okay, yeah, let's run the football. And, and J.J. took it in, you know, for six, and it, and it looked rather easy. So I'm not terribly concerned with the red zone. How are you guys feeling about it? I'm I'm not really worried about it at all, simply because they had had red zone success in the first three games pretty pretty consistently, and I mean for the fact that Virginia Tech isn't you know isn't an impressive team overall, their defense isn't really that bad. Like they have a solid defense in general, and they held tight in the red zone. And I'll say one thing: the corner that was pretty much on BFW the whole game. He made a lot of good plays, and he would have had an interception if Bryce hadn't gone full-on defensive back and just snatched it from him. I'm blanking on the guy's name at the moment, but I think it was something Murray was his last name. He he was playing a hell of a game. So they, they made it tough on us in the red area, and that's not something we really experienced. So I'm not too concerned, but against Texas, we'll have to make – a lot of that happened because Texas does not have the most solid defense. Yeah, I'm I'm kind of with you there, Zach. It's not like, you know, last year we kept talking about it. Um, you got to punch it in because it was a repeating theme and it had right. been for two years. Um, this year they've shown a lot of success and, and the ability to do it in a couple of different ways. Um, I think the early success that we've had in the red zone and then also, you know, Graham's still really kind of, I think, coming into his own with this group of guys and what they're comfortable running mm. in certain situations down there. Um, and so I think that plays into it a little bit. And you're also trying to, you know, figure out some different things and different looks to give guys. So no, I'm, I'm not too awful worried about it. Now you go three, you know, a couple more games where you kick three instead of putting it in the end zone, then maybe the conversation changes. But as of right now, no, nah, there's no need to panic. Hey, speaking of kicking three instead of putting it in the end zone, Casey Leg was the mm-hmm. MVP the other night. I mean, he 
He yeah. was just right down the middle, cool, calm, collected. He he's a weapon. Yeah, that's that, that consistent is big. Hey, one Mike, of three one of three kickers in the nation to kick at least eight field goals and make them all. And Mike, and, and what you don't know, Mike, is that this is a, <laughs> a proud a proud alumni here, CJ, with with, with Casey Leg. So. Really? Yep. The Taze Valley guy. No oh. cross lanes. Don't oh. no. Don't you come oh, in here with that lane. smoke now? Oh. No, no, no. Don't be mentioning the rival now. Oh no. <laughs> nah, nah, CLCS. Yeah, he's uh he's from my alma mater. Um and, and it's just it's it's cool to watch him be able to do that. I'm excited for him. Um and it's even really kind of cool the fact that he hadn't he never kicked a football until like his senior year and he did it as a just to see if he could. He was he was a football player. Yeah. I can't I can't believe we're bringing up soccer this early in the year. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> We typically wait for that till you know the Mountaineers and the herd are battling for like national championships or something. So, um, <laughs> but hey, great point though, and I love the fact that we can depend on Casey Leg. It, it feels rather, I don't want to say like it. It feels simple, or it feels it's not by no means automatic. But you feel really good about getting three points when Casey Leg trots out there. Um, and I love the fact that Neil Brown took the three points. In the first half, down seven to three. And when he came on for that field goal, there were 65,000 fans packed in Lane Stadium, and they all started singing Living on a Prayer at the same time. And then it was mm-hmm. like pulled kick simultaneously, right down the middle, like it was nothing. I, I just, he, I had the he, same he, thought. Ooh. I was like, this guy's got nerves of steel. That's that's a pretty hype environment. I thought the exact same thing. Like, <laughs> Legaloo Grozo Award watch list. Kick is true. West Virginia gets points. And and since we're we're talking about the kicking game, and I don't think it's an aspect. I know um, Blaine, Zach. I don't think we've really talked about it. But kickoffs, like the average starting field position for us, has been so much better this year. And I think that has been a huge part of a lot of stuff. Well, special teams is a huge component of what you want to do, and you want to be a successful team. And you know, take away. The kick return against Towson. I mean, in general, it's been it's been more of a strength, at least from a kickoff perspective. Punt, punt return, still <laughs> a little up in the air. We Zach, I love I loved your text during that game. Get him the crap off that. It was windy there. I know the wind probably played into that, but man, you gotta have the ability to either know you're gonna make the catch or get the hell out of the way. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I went family friendly uh, on the on the read back there of the text message. Yeah, <laughs> it, it was all caps. But, but here's the thing, though, too, and, and Neil kind of almost and, – and, Mike, you can speak to this real quick, being there that night. The wind obviously was a factor, right? And, and was that a factor on that punt, you think, maybe as much as Neil's trying to make it out to be for, for Reese there? So the biggest factor on that punt is the, that it was an absolute bomb, moonshot, cannon, high, ton of hang time. It backed him up about 10 yards. The wind did play a factor, but – Virginia Tech's got one of the best punters in the nation. And I was going to say, he was throwing some, some he, chip shots out there. He got a hold of that one. Um, so I think that was the biggest factor is that it was just a great punt, and he had to turn over his shoulder, uh, kind of like an outfielder, which is always challenging. But one that we got to have, nothing that wasn't routine or, or out of the ordinary. Yeah, and he's lucky he was along the sideline. Uh, that's, that's for sure. And I kind of listened to Neil's comments – uh, today, him kind of likening to an outfielder, 
you know, kind of losing the ball and then having to try and run in on it. And that's kind of why he's had the problems. Regardless, we can't have that. Cannot have that. Easier said than um, done. And, and, and the flags were whipping. It, it, it was it was windy, but I, I thought that was just, just a beautiful punt. Yeah, our boy uh, Pat would have uh, been happy with that. A little, little hammer. Little hammer oh, down there, right oh, there. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It was good for the brand. Hey, speaking of, for us, we aren't punting very often because our offense is moving the ball. And, and we, even when we're getting in fourth down situations, we're typically in the other team's territory. Heard this stat. 61% of our offensive plays were ran in Virginia Tech territory on Thursday night. 61% of them. That's crazy. Especially considering the fact that, like, we weren't getting tremendous starting field position to my recollection. It's not like we were getting terrible punts from Virginia Tech where we were starting at the 35 or 40 and had little room to pass the 50. Like, we, we were just moving the rock at a consistent rate. Like, that was that was an impressive, impressive offensive showing. Again, until you got to the red zone and there was a bit of a struggle, which, you know, kept some more points off the board than you would have had otherwise. But they were not having any trouble moving the ball down the field. Hey Zach, I mean, you also got to think though. You know, the first the first drive of the game that we score on field goal, what ninety two yards, right? Like, we, I feel like we were always kind of moving moving the football and, and being on the attack. Kind of good to see us kind of taking the game to them. I think we can do that most of the season. Like Mike kind of talked about, this offense is explosive. I just love me some C.J. Donaldson. We, we we got us a 240 horse that can sprint in a straight line, and he's a smart player. He he holds it high and tight. He's a, an outstanding blocker. I think Donaldson's your one. John, Justin Johnson Jr. is your two. And Tony Mathis has played his way out of a job. Let's just face it. I, I, think, I think we got our pair. We got our thunder and lightning in that combined with an experienced offensive line led by Zach Frazier at this point is the main reason I'm confident because if you have a smart general, JT didn't have to blow the top off that defense the other night, but he stayed calm. He ran the show. And when you have that, that's huge. Jarrett Dagey couldn't do that. He would make a huge mistake to blow the game down the stretch. We have a smart quarterback that will execute for four quarters and a power run game combined with an experienced offensive line. Yep. That's what I'm optimistic about. Yeah. I mean, this offense feels like it could be one of those types of offenses that every time they get the football, you almost expect points. Mike, you talked about the offensive line. Top four on our squad on the PFF ranking were offensive linemen, Nestor, Mile, and Frazier, and then also Jaquay Hubbard kind of moving in there. White's coming back from an injury soon we're we're getting somewhere with those guys up front and the lanes that they had to run through at Lane Stadium thing of beauty um yeah credit to, credit to Neil Brown and Matt Moore by making the decision to go with the young guys the past year or so really get them entrenched and you know build up some confidence build up some experience and you're reaping those rewards now yeah, you are. And I mean, and I think that even goes to, you know, getting getting a guy like Triple J touches last year. You know, that's that I think that's paid dividends. And I mean, you know, and I think we're all in agreement that it ought to be, you know, Donaldson and, and Justin Johnson back there. 
I made the comment to somebody this weekend um, and they said they're not really sure, but to them, it looks like Mathis is running like Steve Slayton did his senior year. Like he's running to not get hurt. There's no real planet and get up the field. He's it's a lot of dance, a lot of movement. And yeah, I, to me, I think you just stick with the two that are hot right now and, and just let that offensive line continue just to beat people up. And I, I agree with that sentiment as well. I mean, it's not, statistically it's not like Mathis is putting up bad numbers but when you watch the game amongst the three of those guys he is the least consistently productive running the football and he's doing too much dancing he's not just hitting the hole he's not he's just not running as effectively as the other two guys and another thing about that is you know we ran let's see 44 times that game you're not going to typically get that many runs in a game in most cases let's hope so this year zach i mean that'd be great i'll take it but i'm just saying 40 plus run rushing attempts is not typical and it's hard to establish three guys like that to get them all in a rhythm so when you only have to pick two of those three i'm you know also in agreement you pick donaldson and johnson those are your like mike said your thunder and lightning and coming into the season before donaldson made a name for himself I thought that thunder and lightning combo would be Mathis and Triple J, but I have no, I have no objection to it being Donaldson and, and Justin, no problem at all. And, and to to go further on Mathis, um, I, I've I've been lucky to to listen to Avon Coburn on the the Touchdown City Show, a pretty solid uh, WVU podcast. Not to throw in the free plug there, no but, free plugs. Uh, the school is uh, all time. <laughs> leading rusher and, and and he's been really consistent on Mathis what he's been saying all season is just that he's got a good twitch but he's doing too much dancing he's not right. just, and, and Avon was a speed guy but he was decisive he knew when to put his foot in the ground and, and cut it up yeah yep. and, hey, and Tony does that from time to time it's just not as often as it needs to be I think it Tony's trying to let things develop a little bit longer than he needs to it's not so much dancing as he's just I feel like a lot of his runs are stretches to the outside encounters whereas Donaldson and Johnson seem to get a lot of runs up the gut that's my opinion of it right now maybe I'm wrong about this but Mathis has been through the wars a couple of times or these guys have not I think it's good to still have him out there he's also very good in pass protection which is something that's going to be real important and he can catch the ball in the backfield too we know that I know I mean we all are prisoners of the moment at times but you know, Triple J, and I just did it too, and I told myself I wasn't going to say that like you guys did. Damn it. Um, <laughs> and CJ <laughs> is phenomenal. But, hey, I still want to see Tony Mathis kind of be in this mix a little bit. Yeah, fumble sucks, but, you know, he's been through the wars. I I, I don't want to throw him out yet. And, and that's one thing about it too. I mean, that having depth is never a problem. There are possibilities with these younger guys and CJ and Justin Johnson – like, they haven't had a ton of work, and they're still young in their own right. I mean, there's it's a long season. It's good to have somebody like Mathis in the stable because you're going to need him. At some point, you're inevitably going to need him, and he's got that experience, and he's got the ability. We've seen it. So I'm with you, Blaine. I'm not willing to, you know, close the book on him yet. But at, at this very moment, it's nice to see what CJ and Triple J have done to this point. And I'll tell you one other thing. The offensive line – allowing those stretch plays to develop for Justin. I mean, it's been a while since we've seen an offensive line get pushed and open up holes like that on plays like that. I mean, those holes were gaping. Yep. And Justin just kind of bided his time, stretched it down the side, and as soon as the hole opened up, boom, he was through it. 
and you just love to see it. How about 23 carries for CJ the other night? 26 touches overall with the three was, catches. Absolutely. It's kind of funny. Someone in the first half said, well, how many does he get? And I was like, well, he better get it at least 25 times. And the and hand he, injury he, made you think, oh, God. He oh, it did one. it ever. Did it ever. Woo. And I mean, he had what? He got about 15 touches in the first half, give or take. Um I mean, I think we're getting him back in condition here. And, and Neil Brown's like, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to allow this guy to, to win football games for me because he can. Um, and we might as well be along for the ride, fellas. Let's go. Love me some CJ. <laughs> and, and well, it's hard for me not to root with a guy <laughs> with the same name. So, I mean, I'm all in. All about CJs on this podcast. <laughs> well, you know, it's crazy. I mean, to think that that guy was just a Tulane recruit, right? The green wave. He could have been catching passes and running for Michael Pratt and Tulane. Who beat Kansas State? Who beat Oklahoma? Which brings us to our next point here, guys. And we want to kind of talk about this before we get into Texas. But the landscape of the conference. Wide open. It's pretty wild, right? Result that surprised you most on Saturday. Because I feel like you could go three different ways. Um, and I'll let. It's tougher now. CJ used to always defer, Mike, right? So, mm-hmm. like, so Zach would always typically get to go first when CJ defer, but now there's three. So, I don't know how to allow you guys to start, but somebody take the rope and, and, and run with it. CJ elects to receive. Sound good. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I'm good with that. I, I think for me, the most surprising one, a little bit for me, actually, was Texas Tech being down 14 late. Um, and you come back and win that game. Um, granted, I know it's Texas, and you know Zach and I have a lot of fun making fun of Texas. But you know that's, I mean that that's a tough thing to do. I mean, be down fourteen in the fourth quarter and find a way to come back and win that ball game. Um, you know, credit to the the new staff down there and finding a way to get it done. Uh, at this point, Kansas State beating Oklahoma I, that doesn't surprise me anymore. That's almost an autumn. I mean, that's three of four now, so I don't. I can't really say I'm too awful surprised at that. Not a huge shock by that one. And Xavier Worthy's injury in the Texas game really, really hurt them offensively. After he got out, they were up 14 at that point, and their drives subsequent to his injury were three and outs. I mean, they were having a hard time moving the ball without him, and that could make a big impact on our game if he's not 100%. Yeah, I was I was interested about that, Zach about Worthy's injury and then also yours. I mean, there's some health concerns for Texas uh, for sure going into this week. That, that That's going to be very, very interesting when we, when we get to that game here in just a minute. I do want to say one of the results from the Big 12 kind of kind of surprised me a little bit um, was the fact that TCU gave up 34 to SMU. Like, remember, you know, back in the day, Gary Patterson was all about defense. This was some great kind of program pride right you know the purple frogs played amazing defense and now they're a sieve on defense it's going to make that matchup interesting with them later in the season everyone's like oh max duggan's doing great yeah it's first smu's defense he should do that Uh, Um, this isn't your daddy's texas tech or texas christian (laughs) yeah this is not 
I, I will. I don't know if you want to say dad because they weren't that good then. Maybe, like, are you, are you going back to Dennis Franchione and maybe like LT well, at this point for people? No, or, I just I, I, I mean, just kind of just that turn of the phrase. I mean, and, maybe go with your uncle or your cousin. You know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, and you know? and you, and, and you Lambert, I don't like you saying daddy life. to me. By the way, okay, I don't like. Yeah, that. true. Aren't yeah. your uncle and your dad about the same age? I mean, what are we doing here? <laughs> It just rolls off the tongue better, Zach, if I, I got to be honest. <laughs> yeah. Well, and I mean, and here's the thing, and Blaine, you kind of, you got me on this, uh, you know, the last couple of years. Even with the last couple of years under Gary Patterson, defensively, they weren't real good, or at least to the standard they had been. And I think now, especially offensively, real offensive-minded coach, you know, the defense is just not going to be what we're typically used to out of TCU. So I think we just have to change the mindset that, that that's going to be that, that calling card of that program. Yeah, absolutely. CJ. And that kind of makes me uh, very curious for where TCU will go this year. If, if we're going to run down the rest of the games, Kansas, Florida, Mike, Hey, hey closer, to that, closer to that eight wins. I, 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 I took serious issues to the AP top 25. Yes, thank you it, for mentioning it, that. It, it is time to rank the Jayhawks. 26, most receiving votes. Oh, come on. Hey, I'm not saying they don't deserve it. I'm just saying they're on the cusp. I think that they deserve more respect than that, though. I mean, consider the teams they've beaten. It's not It's not been an absolute cakewalk. I mean, they're not beating the cream of the crock, but between us, Houston, and Duke, Duke is playing – pretty solid football this year and I think that we're starting to show that we're not you know as bad as it may have seemed after week two but I think I think I'm right there with you they should be in the top 25 and after they beat Iowa State Iowa State this week they will be oh see oh calling your shot there oh no doubt I'm riding the wave I'll agree with you on that one for sure well what about Oklahoma State Baylor fellas rematch the big 12 championship I like Oklahoma State to go in there and win. I'm not sold on Baylor, but I kind of want them to win before they play us, so they're not my like thoughts, as My thoughts exactly. Yeah, like Baylor, you go ahead and sneak a win at home here. Yep. Um, Texas Tech, Kansas State, like whew, somebody's going to come down big time. Uh, and Let for me some ask a question. We're we're kind of jumping around the landscape here with within the conference. Is there a like one surefire worst team in the conference? Or best team? No, no. I mean, as well as well as Kansas is playing, their defenses defensive deficiencies are going to catch up with them eventually. But I just Looks I don't know who's best. That. I don't know who's worse. Who do you who do you characterize in those spots? See, that's be determined right now. Yeah, I think yeah, because I think that's a little tough. Because I think you know right now, I mean, from top to bottom, is there a conference that's more? that has more parity right now or more like could potentially see something happening. Cause I think you look at all the, a lot of the other conferences are real top heavy. This one doesn't seem to have that top end favorite or that doormat. Does anyone have a chance to make the college football playoff? Negative. No. And what does that say? Um, well, hold That's on now. Hold question. on now. There, hold be on now. Some, there, hold there on need now. to be some serious chaos. I think. Hold, hey, time out now. That, that, now, Oklahoma State is still in the mix. Do you have faith in them to make it that way the whole season? I'm not, not saying I'm not saying that they no, I don't not not with this year's defense for them. Um and probably let's just say Kansas runs the table, fellas. 
Oh, jeez. Hey, I, I love me some Jayhawks right now, but that's... that's could, could you imagine the, Could you imagine the first election show? And Kansas just, like, comes off beating Oklahoma. They're, like, 7-0. and That'd be amazing. The year just, WVU blew it, Kansas was in the mix. Or, or <laughs> I mean, that would be crazy, though, right? Like, Hey, have their second sellout in how long? 13 years? Hey, good for them. Zach, speaking of 13 years, by the way, real quick, um, saw the saw the number that we have, what, the second highest non-opening week game telecast for ESPN in terms of viewership, yeah. right? Was that yeah, right? in terms of Thursday games. What, what was that number at? It was pretty good, wasn't it? I don't remember the, name, the number offhand, but that's now the second Thursday game we've been a part of that's done some significant number for ESPN's viewership. So that's not a bad deal. Hey, we should do 10 Thursday games a year. We we have always been a big-time Thursday program. Hey, you know, I what's, agree. you know what's great is we get one coming up in about 13 days, 14 mm-hmm. days. Good deal. I'm, yeah. Like, hey, and that, that, let's let's get into this game because we want to get to that to that game, right? I feel like these two games coming up have a chance to springboard this program and this team into that level that we've been looking for, right? Totally. If you can beat Texas and then respond and beat Baylor, two, and that's two the dream have, scenario. Two teams you've had relatively solid, consistent success in the conference against since they've one at home well. and one on the road, right? Matchup wise. This Texas matchup coming up is favorable. It, does everyone else agree that it's it's one that we can definitely feel like we have a chance going in? Without the, the thing that gets me is the nine and ten point. I agree. Yeah, it, I don't. I don't see that. I lot. think. I think Zach and this. I, I kind of want to see what you guys think about this as well. I, in all honesty, I think it's the Bama the Bama push. Kind of that Bama bump, if you want to call it. For playing well against them, Vegas is really high on Texas right now. That's not the same team. I don't think Bama was necessarily playing their best football that that day and got caught. And Texas now is getting a lot of love for that. And maybe they're not that that elite of a team. Uh, Ten just feels absurd. I mean, I'm, I'm taking that all day. I would think so. Yeah, the money line's two seventy five. I mean, give give me some action on that as well. Yeah, I I don't know, and and it always seems like this time of year is the typical. Is Texas really te- like? I don't know. I'm I'm getting a little tired of the whole. You know, Texas is getting a bunch of love for almost wins. Like at some point you have to actually do something to me to, to deserve the love. Um, yeah. Congratulations. You almost beat Alabama. Okay, great. By that logic, then, you know, Kent state's going to make a push because they hung with Georgia. I mean, let's, let's be real for a minute, <laughs> man. Hating on golden flashes, CJ. I'm, I'm, why, why, man, what would they do to you? Well, I'm not trying to hate on them, but I mean, like, I don't know. It just always feels like there's always this love or cachet around a, a football team that, quite frankly, have they been relevant in the last decade? I mean, truly relevant. No. 
I mean, we want to give Ellinger a little love. You can maybe say that year because if we want to say we're relevant that year, they barely okay, beat but us he made out. That so I'll give him that one. Yeah, but he made the big proclamation we're back, and they've been absolute trash since. Hey, the Big Twelve I runs mean, through Lubbock. I mean, they ran. They've lost what in a row last year? What, Not often. I mean, let's. Uh, I mean, Sarkeesian might be coaching for his job here in a couple of weeks. Well, well, that, that's the question here. So, we're all in agreement. We're taking the Mounties plus the points. Just feels like, why would you not? I, I kind of look at it and say this. I think the game boils down to Texas' ability to run the football because they average about five yards a pop. But John's amazing. But if we can not allow him to get to the edges, we've got a chance. And that's, Plain and that's, simple. We, that's, we do very well up the middle with the run game. Well, that's one interesting Jordan, part Jordan about Jefferson it because I was reading. at nose tackle. Speaking of that interior defensive mm. line, has been sensational the last couple of weeks. You know what you got in Dante Steele's. I think if we can if we can control the inside uh, run game, control the game in the trenches, that's only going to help your guys as far as pursuit goes to the outside and then coming off the ball free. Which we did against Virginia Tech. I mean, you allowed 35 rushing yards, and that's again not against a high-powered offense. They didn't run the ball a ton, but that's pretty damn impressive. I don't care and, who it is, exactly, exactly. Zach. Yeah. And one thing I read today on 24/7, it was actually on the Texas feed. They were talking about how one of the issues they've kind of had on their offensive line is their the middle of it, like the interior offensive lineman. So if we can expose that and try and keep some kind of contain on Robinson, which I'm sure that'll be a huge part of the game plan. Like if you can keep him from blowing up, then hopefully you can you can do enough on defense to get a win with the offense that we're putting out there. And if we can if we can make that happen, I feel really good. But Robinson is going to be a huge part of that game without a doubt. Yeah, well, I mean Texas has always really, I mean, especially as we hear lately, relied on that running game. You know, I think for us is is controlling that that line of scrimmage. But I think the nice part about it, and you saw it against Tech, is you can get pressure with with your front four, maybe even just a fifth guy. That really helps that secondary out because it allows you to to drop more guys into coverage and really help out that young secondary. So no, that's going to be a huge part in in the game on Saturday night. Well, hey, and you know, it's, I I find this to be interesting, guys, and this is kind of what I'm. I'm I'm kind of real interested in for this game Saturday. If you are able to bottle Robinson up, then it comes down to card or years, whoever's playing right at quarterback. That quarterback question is one that does it matter to us necessarily who is playing quarterback for them? Because I feel like their passing game is not going to be that great, which is definitely an advantage for us because of our secondary necessarily not being the strongest. Feels like a great matchup. Yeah, I personally think that either way, we won't be completely outclassed. Because, I mean, Ewers coming off that injury is very significant if they try to rush him back for a game that they feel like they need coming off that Texas Tech loss. That could definitely play in our favor. And I don't think that Card is, like, an unstoppable force by any means. So I think either way, we should have some department, but it's – it's really going to fall on what the secondary is able to do because they've definitely been up and down and one of the, you know, one of the weak spots of this unit. 
let's ask a real question here. Is Hudson well, Card really think... any better than than Grant Wells? I'd mm. say no. I would say yes. Yeah, I, I, Grant's okay. pretty rough. I, I would, no no I would offense probably, to the kid. Yeah, I mean, no disrespect to Grant Wells, a West Virginia native, but yeah, I would probably think Card's probably more talented than he is. And I, and I think the big question is is going to come into does Worthy play? Like yes, for sure. Yeah, because I mean, we we haven't really seen our corners be able to take a a big time number one out, and more than likely Charles Woods is not playing. So, you know who who draws that assignment? And I mean, you not only have to worry about Worthy, but you've got Whittington. So if both of them are playing. That makes it a lot more difficult if you can. If you can kind of, you know, get lucky and Worthy doesn't play, or maybe he only plays a limited number of snaps, and you only have to really deal with Whittington on the outside, that's that's a big help. Hey, fellas, I do want to take back what I said about uh, Grant Wells versus Card at the moment. I'm going to take that back. We're still living on that 2020 uh, Marshall Mojo there when I said that. So uh, I'm, I'll take that back. I'll take that back. What what was Wells the other night? Sixteen of thirty five, I believe. Yep, yes, he was. Mike, he missed two wide open touchdowns, and after that, it was just like he was seeing double, skipping rocks, nowhere close. Yeah, he he was the uh, one that was entering and exiting the light, right? Yeah, uh, <laughs> at the end of the night, uh, he needed to take his hands and walk to Never Never Land. But anyway, um, fellas, I, I do feel like this is a great matchup. For us, I really do. The fact that JT's been in arenas like this before, he's not going to be intimidated. The fact that we can run the football, which Texas does seem somewhat susceptible to the run, I think we're going to be able to move and kind of have our way offensively with them. If we force some turnovers, this feels good. And the fact that we seem to win an often a whole heck of a lot, that makes me feel pretty good too. We should have won down there in 2020. You know, took the chance, didn't win it. I, I don't know. This this feels like a really good spot for us. I, I, do you guys think that we've seen the best of JT Daniels yet? And and I don't mean as far as execution goes, but to me he's the, the type of guy, especially with the coordinator that he has, that has the potential to blow the top off of a defense and put up 350, 400-yard games. Do you think that's waiting around the corner? I want to see a JT go-off game. I mean, I, he, he kind of had one of those against Kansas, but it just wasn't the outcome you expected. Yeah, I, I think I think there's probably a game sitting out there for him. But I also think, too, if you look at the way, you know, Graham has talked and, and Neil has talked, it doesn't feel like they want that kind of, like they really want to be able to control the line of scrimmage and run the ball really, really effectively, which they've done. So it almost kind of feels like they don't necessarily – I don't know if it, this isn't going to be, you know, Will Greer-esque where you're going to see those type of numbers all the time just because I think they want to be very, very balanced. We I think it'll vary from week to week. It'll be a big game plan type of deal. Like it is. What they can exploit. Hey, and, Zach, that's interesting you bring that up because I was listening to Harold this week, and, and, and Graham was mentioning how he doesn't look at the analytics to call plays. He's just based off totally off field what he kind of is seeing in the game plan. And, and what he's seeing out there on the field. And that's kind of why Virginia Tech, well, you're seeing you can run it right at him, having no problem with it. Well, let's keep doing that. And so if he gets in that game Saturday and they can do the same thing again, it probably will happen again. Now, to your point, Mike, 
if he sees that he can take the top off the defense a few times, yeah, it's going to happen. We're going to have a half where JT Daniels is going to have close to 300 yards passing and three touchdowns. Easily. I, I, see him I just don't know when I it's going to happen. I want to see him close to 400. <laughs> I, was, I can see it. I'll take four <laughs> touchdowns and 300 yards. Yeah. There, there very well could be a situation where a team tries to just load the box and take that run game away. And you get man-on-man with our guys on the outside. And I'm pretty happy about that. Yep, I agree. Yeah, I think that I think eventually that is going to happen because I mean, if you go back and watch the the tech game, I mean, they were playing two deep safety and a lot of looks, and you know it was kind of you know Graham, okay, you're going to play that far back off, and we're just going to run it down your throat. And you know, yeah, eventually people are going to have to I think as long as you continue off the offensive line continues to to open holes. Yeah, I mean, defensive coordinators are going to have to make the adjustment and start sucking guys down, and then that's when Graham's really just going to you know let this thing go. I feel like they have nothing to lose in this game on Saturday night now because it's a night game down there in Texas. You, you've kind of been able to breathe. You're back at two and two. Everyone's feeling kind of a beat. Let me let me add something real quick to that, Blaine, not to interrupt, but just something you said about the, the night game aspect. Do you all feel the way I do in the fact that already having played two night games in big-time environments – both of which you were at least in or managed to win. And it didn't seem like the environment affected us, you know, a little bit at the beginning of the pit game, a little bit of jitters, but that's kind of to be expected. First game, first game of the year. Yep. Big time spot against a huge rival. But I mean, it doesn't seem like it was the environment or the stage that killed us against pit. It was just errors that we made, which granted the penalties could be, you know, affected or connected to the environment. But regardless, it seems like this team, can handle it, and at the very least, they have experience with it. Do you all believe that that'll play in our favor against Texas on Saturday as much as I do? One hundred percent, Zach. Okay. Well, that, yeah, absolutely. Me. Yeah, I mean, because now these guys have have seen that kind of environment, know what it's like, and I think for a lot of the the guys that came into the portal, you know, guys like Floyd, I think that's that that only serves to help in that. Help totally. that hey, we've we've been in this moment before. We've been in hostile environments at night. It's not new. It yeah, it, it's not new. Now the one big difference is is that's one hundred and ten thousand versus sixty, but fair. But at the same time, that's not the most rambunctious crowd in the country. It's right. it's supposedly getting better, CJ. And, and, I, and I will say this real quick, too. The level of talent on the field might be in terms of maybe not a total team, but individual talented players, probably the most talented group we will have seen yet this year. So that's also just something to think about. But I'm with you, Zach. I really do think that's going to play a huge dividend for us on Saturday night, and especially just the fact you got JT leading the offense. Defensively, I think we've got a lot of guys that have been through some things, and we're coming back through. I do want to talk about the defense real quick, guys. And having guys that have been to Texas before helps. Mm-hmm. That's that's true. That's definitely true. Um, defensively, where, do, where are we at with this team right now, psyche-wise? I mean, coming off a great performance, you know, Pitt, we felt like we played all right. Kansas obviously was a disaster. Are we feeling good about the defense? Are we still feeling a little anxious about it? Where are we? Does it really just matter on the matchup? I don't know. I'm, I, I do feel like we've got some talent in that front seven, 
but we obviously saw some guys running wide open in that secondary on Thursday night. I, well. I think we, we lack an edge rusher and a shutdown corner, in my opinion. Um, Agreed. We need Woods back big. Interior of the defensive line, and we're really good at linebacker. We are we are we don't have that speed pass rusher, and we, you know, the injury to Woods, of course, made a tough week one against Pitt. Uh, but as far as just a, a guy that we can throw on an island, we we don't have that. It'd be nice if Bartlett could step up and be that consistent edge rusher, but it just doesn't seem like he's able to do that in spots and. On occasion, yes, but just not as consistently as you need it to happen. Yeah, but I, I think I, I'm starting to feel a little bit better defensively. Yeah, I mean, the, the pit game, you had some moments where you weren't real good. The Kansas game we talked about was another debacle. But, you know, and obviously you don't really count the Townsend game, but for them to to come out to really just kind of – have put two performances now on tape and in the bank of, Hey, this is what we're capable of doing. I think if nothing else, it gives a lot of those guys and especially the new guys, some confidence of, Hey, okay, we, we we can do this. And I think at that point, it just helps the evolution of everything. Now. Yeah. Are, are, do you have some worries? Yeah, I do. But I, I love the fact that now that you've, you've put a couple of really good performances back to back and get some confidence moving forward. If you hold Texas to 30 on Saturday, is that a win for this defense? It's a win for the team. I wouldn't necessarily say it's something that makes you feel great about the defense. But if it's good enough to win, it's good enough to win. I I, I think if it's good enough to win, that helps. But I'm going to tell you right now, Jordan Lashley is going to tell you, hell no. No. And let let me kind of speak to something just on raw scoring numbers. So as of right now, West Virginia's last in the Big 12 in average points allowed, 27 and a half. Now, you know, you can say that this is irrelevant. Every team has to deal with their, you know, stuff that happens that attributes to their stats, whatever. If you take away the two pick sixes, the one against Pitt, one against Kansas, and the kick return touchdown against Towson, you take that 21 points away, that drops – the scoring average to 22 and a half that puts you about middle of the pack in the big 12, which makes you feel a little better. 22 and a half is something you can live with, especially having played three power five teams, two of which have more than respectable offenses in Pitt and Kansas. So, you know, compare that to the teams that have played a couple of scrub teams in those four games and kind of drop their scoring average defensively a little bit lower than normally would be. You know, you can live with that for whatever that's worth. Hmm. Zach, I, I feel you on that. And, you know, I kind of look back and was trying to figure out, well, how did Texas hold down Alabama? Because I'm trying to figure out how we're going to – people are scoring on them, and the, but Alabama didn't score them. Penalties. It's the hidden stuff, right? And that's kind of what's got us to talking about that hidden six points there. It really does make a difference because at 22 and a half, now I'm like, okay, well, we're on level with Texas defensively probably, and we are better offensively instead of feeling like our defense is a little bit weaker. Um, yeah, and I, I mean, like if we're you doing take, a little bit better with the penalties right now. 
yeah, I mean, because you think about it, I mean, you could take 14 right off of there if you don't have the stupid targeting call against Pitt that leads to a touchdown and then the just god-awful late hit against Kansas. I mean, that's 14 more points you could take right off of it, which drops the average even more. So, no, I, th- I think you feel really good defensively what they've done. Just stay away from the stupid mistakes. And and I, and I do think that offensively, we're we're gonna hit that number most most nights. Mm-hmm. I don't don't see any reason why not, right? I mean, Pitts kind of was a was a polished product when we played him in the first week, obviously, and you still put thirty one up on them on the road, right? So I feel like that's that's almost the floor right now for this team uh, offensively. Hopefully, we didn't just jinx ourselves like crazy coming this Saturday in Austin. Let's let's kind of get into. Well, let me ask. Let, yeah. let me ask. Let me ask this real quick, especially to you, Blaine and Zach, because of the last two years. But over the last two years, because we talked about how bad sometimes the offensive was, did you ever envision in any of those two years we'd be sitting here going, "Yeah, the offense is going to score 30, 40 points"? We just <laughs> like we always really? talked about thirty having to be the number. Yeah, and now, now it's, it's like it's expected. Exactly. Crazy what a year what a difference a year makes. And yeah. a pop star transfer. Yeah, <laughs> pop star transfer and a a, a an H back recruit from Tulane who's now turning into like the next great running back potentially in, in school history. Uh yeah, that, that really helps too. And this offense is it's it's humming. It's purring, it's smooth. And the defense, I think, is going to come along for the ride, fellas. I really do. I feel great about Saturday. Let's let's do some predictions, right? I feel like we're kind of been hinting at it all all show. The number, by the way, as we talk at this very moment, uh, close to Wednesday here, West Virginia is a ten point dog now again. <laughs> And the total is 62. Okay, well, it uh, yeah, I think it's difficult to go over that 62. Um, that feels like easy, easy money, right? Yeah, it does. And the last time I told you it was easy, easy money was West Virginia, Oklahoma. But, hey, you know. Um, <sighs> Which time? The Will Greer. <laughs> the one in Morgantown where they had the over covered by halftime. Uh the Kyler Murray year. Not, so not the 10-7 uh, game from like 2014. No, the, no, okay. no, no, right. no like 62-60-whatever game where they All scored right. like 600 combined. Um, no, I, I really – I think you know, we've all said it. I, I really feel comfortable um, with West Virginia in this spot. I would have actually liked to have seen Texas kind of hold on and beat Texas Tech and not, you know, have a week of – Agreed. You know, being mad about blowing a lead, but – um, I just I like the mental makeup of this team. Um, they don't seem to get too high. They're not obviously they don't get too low. Um, you know, a lot of that I think is JT driven. You know, I mean he's been pretty even keel, and I think the the whole team feeds off of that. Um, and I think for the first time, you know, some of the Neil Brown detractors and haters are going to have to kind of sit up and take notice, um, and kind of understand that this thing's starting starting culture-wise to go where we want it. Now it's going to start producing on the field. And they go down to Austin, get a big win. Give me the Mountaineers 41, Texas 30. 
4130, easy over. Okay. I like what you said about the culture, CJ. I think that's and that's the next step, right? The culture leads to producing the wins on the field. Correct. Um hey, Zach, do you want to do you want to go next there? Defer? Do you want to defer to Mike here? Because you know, you like to defer, so we'll give you the option here. I kind of do want to defer only because <laughs> my score prediction is basically exactly what CJ just said. Right. So, so you got to get one in between us. Yeah. Okay. Okay. I'll, All right. I'll take the ball. So run, CJ Donaldson. Run. <laughs> <laughs> so we've seen Steve Sarkeesian head coach situations go south. The Austin liquor stores need to stay ready. He's probably already got something on the desk. A couple of heartbreaking losses. Texas has been emotional warfare. They've got a deer in the headlights in Hudson Card and a quarterback either not playing or playing hurt. I think West Virginia is comfortable in its identity right now. I'm not going to say anything about Neil Brown, big picture. I think he's a perennial six and six, seven and five guy. But, but you just did. Nothing. But you just did. But that's, <laughs> he got, said it. But, but that's got nothing to do with Saturday. I, I, I think it's going to go south quick as it pertains to the Steve Sarkeesian era. But West Virginia is starting to feel good. It's starting to develop an identity. Forty-five to twenty. I'm taking Ooh. the Mountaineers. JT gets in a rhythm early. And then uh, it just snowballs from there. I, I think he has a coming out party and puts himself on some puts himself on some serious radars after a big West Virginia win. Oh man, I love that! Think, what? Yes, give me Imagine more. If they had a better coach. Oh man, <laughs> right? Can you? Oh my gosh! What? You know what, Zach? I, please, I, I can't even say anything else. <laughs> Go. <laughs> oh man, I couldn't help it. <laughs> All right, so I want to say a couple things about just the first third of the season, right? Four games in. I may be naive in just the rationale behind this. You've got a loss against Pitt that wasn't explicitly because of one play, but one play that swung it in a pick six on a catch or lack of catch that – 999 times out of a thousand is made, but it wasn't a series of an unfortunate event. Zach. Exactly. A lot of self-inflicted wounds, but you're that close to winning that game. Kansas, you underestimated, let them steamroll you offensively. Yet you were still in a position to where if you don't have a self-inflicted wound with the Taj Austin hit on that third down, that would have resulted in the fourth and long in overtime chance to go down and score yourself and win it, get out of there with a win. Didn't happen. Self-inflicted wounds, then the pick six. Again, sealing your fate. Now things are turned around a little bit. You go from a potential 4-0 start to 2-2. Two and two. <clears throat> Things like that cannot continue to occur the rest of the season. I truly believe that the law of averages applies in situations like that. And things don't just continue to snowball like that when they start off in them in that manner. That being said, I think the goodwill continues to come through against Texas. Last year, Jarrett Daigie threw for two ninety and three scores, no picks. Letty ran for one fifty eight against Texas. I can't imagine their defense is too 
terribly much better this year. Our offense is much better this year. I'm going to say 41-31 West Virginia. All right. So one point off of CJ's. I like it. I like it. Man. So, um, fellas, I don't think there's any any secret that, Zach, what you just brought up about their defense not being that much better than what it was last year, I think is a key point that's not been talked about enough with Texas, right? And I think the key thing also to think about that Alabama game, Alabama had 15 penalties in that game versus Texas. 15. I really, really like our offense to explode on Saturday night. We're going to put up 37 points, fellas, on the Longhorns, hold them to 27. We're going to stop Bijan Mustardson just enough, right? Hudson Carr, like you said earlier, Mike, deer in the headlights all night. We're going to get some sacks on him. We're going to create a couple turnovers. Casey Legg's going to make three field goals. JT going to have three touchdowns through the air. Donaldson's going to have a big run. Mountaineers take this one 37-27 and a happy flight. Like CJ said, a lot of those Neil Brown detractors are going to have to sit up and kind of observe what's going on with this program. Big cultural statement win for the Mountaineers on Saturday night in Austin. We're all in agreement, too. I love it. it scares me at the same time. <laughs> yep, slightly terrifying. Like, You're it's kind of wild how we've all kind of turned the corner. Is it just offense makes you that optimistic? Are we, are we a little too optimistic about the defense still, guys? I think that this week Are will we? let you know exactly yeah. what that answer is. Yep. Grant helped us out an awfully lot. Yes, yes, he did. <laughs> he did. He did. He gave us a little, a little, a little injected dose of confidence that we needed sorely. Hey, That's speaking, for sure. Speaking of optimism, little West Virginia fan sidebar here. Uh, first men's basketball practice was yesterday. Huggy yes. press conference. I think yesterday. And he says he says they're making baskets. We've the ball's going that. in. We've and heard he that. In the early season, the baskets are being made. Comment, love it. The, the practice, West Virginia's practice shooting performances, according to him, have been spectacular for a while. But I, I'm just saying, according to him, he's like, he's like, ball, he's like, the ball's going in. We love it. It's a lot more <laughs> fun to watch that way. Hey, I, I, don't, I will I'm say, I'm doing a good Huggins right now, but but it was it it. it <laughs> According to Huggins is optimistic for whatever that's worth. Can we get can we can we get that Huggins one more time? We didn't pass it. Gotta make rotations. We said we were gonna make rotations. We didn't make rotations. <laughs> that's pretty damn good. <laughs> that's good. I, I just kinda I wanna hear do we do and make shots. I'm putting you on the spot a little bit we, here, I know, but we we did we didn't make shots. Do, Tony, we do, didn't make. do what we do. Don't do what you can't do. <laughs> that, that's what he says. That. Yes. Damn. Oh wow. That that's almost worth it. 
Fantastic. Oh, man. That's almost as good as your ad over there, Blair. Yeah, pretty good. Um, <laughs> <laughs> hey, speaking of Dana, whew, almost didn't beat Rice, fellas. And then things not looking good down there. No, and then he lamp blasted his team. Hey, nobody gaslights quite like Dana Holgerson. <laughs> if, if Neil Brown is a light beer, Dana Holgerson's a line of cocaine. <laughs> He's all over the place. He's going to win some, lose some, but, but there's no guarantees. With that. Oh, that's for sure. I mean, wow. I mean, he wears a shocker hat. I mean, let's be real. God, and he I looks, love it so much. And he looks like McCracken. Zach wants that hat so bad. I do. Is he, um, is he wearing it this year? He is. Yeah, he is. Oh, man. Respect that's... the hell out of it. <laughs> That's the only thing I love about him. Oh, God, fellas, Dana. I can't fellas, quit you, man. I can't quit Dana. <laughs> From afar. From afar. Much yeah. easier to love him now. <laughs> <laughs> it's a lot easier to love him from afar. Well, fellas, I know we got off the rails there at the end, but uh, let's go Mountaineers. Let's go drink some beers. going to be a fun weekend down in Austin, and then we'll get ready for Baylor. Let's, let's go. Let's do it. Thank you.